Hello, everybody. Welcome to ADD Masterminds. I am the smooth and suave Bridge LeBois, and I'm here with Jimmy Jimmy, the talking table table. That, that's me. That's me. <laughs> it, it, oh, we're it, so cool. It, it is I, Jimmy, 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 the talking table. It was pretty close to that ASMR one we tried to do one time. It's pretty awesome. All right. So let's open with a non-political political topic, um, protests. Why do people protest? Do people protest because they love other people? Do they protest because they love special causes? Do we love ideas about people more than we love people? Those are good questions. And you wrote all those. <laughs> so I guess I have to answer them now, right? Yeah, go ahead. Okay. You're, on the, you're, you're in the chair. I'm in the chair. All right. Are we, okay, are we protesting because we love one another? I think there's a lot of that going on. Um, there's this perception that there is this systemic racism problem that's going on um obviously um there was a police officer that did something terrible something detestable um i don't even know what's a good word for it heinous i mean when things like this happen it's like i can never find a word that's enough but it's like he he put his knee on a guy's neck until he died which took like eight minutes i didn't watch the whole video i can't watch it i don't need to watch it i know it's evil right and people talk about like oh well george floyd was a guy who did some bad things and he was terrible to women and i'm like yeah yeah sure i mean like and i heard he got, was getting his life back on track i don't i don't know if he was getting his life back on track apparently he had a bible study there's so many stories about this guy, but whatever it is, he was a human being made in the image of God. And this guy put his knee on the guy's neck until he died. Something is wrong. There's a reason why people are protesting and that's why. Um, there's a systemic issue of police brutality. Um, and I think it's something that's happening in the way that they are trained and that needs to be fixed. Um, I think that we have black men in our country, or really, I guess it's in the States. <laughs> I think, I think <laughs> we do have, have racism in problems in Canada too. Um, but I know like in the United States, there is a stigma that's attached to that color of skin. And that's right. something that still needs to be worked through. And historically, it's been a big issue. And you go from, you know, slavery to segregation um, with Jim Crow to mass incarceration where you've got a drug war that tar targets <clears throat> African-American communities and that's still ongoing. And you got generations of fatherless children growing up in the inner city. So there's, there's a lot there. Right. Um, and so I, I think people are just angry and they're upset and they want something to change. Um, so I think a lot of this does has to do, have to do with love for one another. Um, I think there's definitely, you got your Instagram, you know, 
Instagram influencers. I, I don't even really do Instagram that much. I just go there to post memes. So I wouldn't really know <laughs> who an Instagram influencer is. Me neither. Besides like, there's that Jenner guy. Have you ever seen that? There's like um, Kirby Jenner. I'm not familiar. Okay, if you get a chance, check this out. Go to Kirby Jenner on Instagram. And Kirby Jenner is like this dude with like a mustache that photoshops himself into like Cardassian pictures all the time. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, what is this dude doing here? It's so funny. He's riding on other people's coattails. That's what he's doing. Oh, it is so great. <laughs> anyways, that's one Instagram influencer I could get behind. But anyways, Instagram influencers who are, you know, getting their photo ops and stuff like that. And I think, I mean, it's one of those things too, where you just kind of like, you know, it's like when a, when a famous celebrity like gives to a, to a cause and they have like the big check to show everybody. Right. And it's like, yeah, part of this is like, obviously them making themselves look good. But then at the same time, they're raising awareness about an issue. So it's, it's hard to say. It's like, I'm, I'm not good at judging people's hearts. I prefer to let God do that. So. No, I come from a, a long line of people who are great at judging other people's hearts. I'll tell you exactly <laughs> what's in them. The family tradition since grandma, grandma, grandpa, way back when. Yeah, I love those kinds of mind games, eh? Like, where it's just like, <laughs> oh, well, you know why he did that. Right. You know, the thing, I, though. I with, think we all come from breeding that involves doing that. Right. <laughs> and I, I, I think it takes a while for us to realize, you know what? We suck at this. Right. Like, and it's just such a terrible way to live your life. You're trying to figure out what's going on in other people's heads. It's like, if you want to know what's going on in someone's head, ask them. I have a hard enough time understanding what's going on in my head, let alone somebody else's. Oh my gosh. But I'll tell you what they, I'm, I'll tell you what I think they're thinking. <laughs> yeah, they're yeah, exactly. Okay. Do we love our ideas about people more than people? This is actually a, um, a thought I had, um, probably like a year ago where I was like thinking about, I'm like, man, I like the ideas that help people more than I like people. Right. And that's why when I get to like the barbecue and I'm sitting with people and they just want to talk about like um, their cars or their new lamp they bought or their chair. I'm just like, I don't care. And it was something I was trying to work on is, is, is being more interested in normal conversation that isn't about like making the world a better place and stuff. <laughs> I'm still not very good at that. The small talk. But. I feel you on the small talk thing. Like I, I enjoy it, but like sometimes if I sit there and all of a sudden we become conscious of the fact that I've been engaged in needless small talk for like half an hour at like a family friend whatever function and we're like not really talking about anything serious and like i become conscious of like oh wait a second man i just lost 30 minutes of my life like yeah i guess i'm connecting with this person as a human being maybe but are we really we're just engaged in small talk um and like are are we just you know you know checking off our nervous box by doing that like we we feel like we have to say something because if we don't it'll be awkward so we feel in the awkwardness what if but, it's a thought, and I, I, I think I've tried this before. What if you let somebody talk about whatever they're going to talk about? You know, so it's like, yeah, I'm really into bull riding. And it's like, oh, okay. So, like, is it true that 
you have to do things to the bull to make them angry first. You know, like, I don't know. But it, <laughs> I was right. like, how do I address this? I just back myself into a corner. Right. Um, but you know what I mean? Like, I, I, I think there's ways to make the conversation more interesting, but let them drive the conversation. Because my temptation is to take it to that controversial topic. Because I like digging into controversial topics. Um, and so I, I know one thing you were saying is like, when you get into those conversation topics, you're exhausted from arguing with people you deem to be idiots, um, <laughs> who only see things in terms of left versus right. Okay. And then you're asking, is it mean to say that? All right. Um, like, can you just identify like... In your mind, you don't have to necessarily say it out loud and look at them and say, you, sir, are an idiot. Although maybe mm -hmm. there's a place for that occasion. I don't know. I've, I've thought about that one. Is it like, you know, the book of Proverbs has no problem labeling all sorts of type of people fools and scorners mm -hmm. and, you know, identifying people that you should just have nothing to do with. But, you know, I sit there and think, you know, is, is, is how, to what degree do you just, do you genuinely take interest in what somebody is saying? And at what point do you just make peace because you love them as a human being and you realize that if you were to try to go down the path that they're stuck on, um, that nothing good is going to come from that and it's just going to be something destructive. So if you truly try to engage them in like meaningful dialogue, it's just going to backfire because, you know, foolish people have no, you know, real desire to have genuine conversation. They're just talking to hear themselves talk and to have somebody not in agreement to make them feel good about themselves and their perspective. And, um, and some of them might be trying to stir the pot to get somebody to fire back at them, uh, for the, you know, because they love to argue. I get it. I've been there, but you know, at what point do you have to kind of mentally disengage and just kind of like nod and uh-huh, uh-huh, um, like, okay, Aunt, you know, Aunt Sally, that's great, great, Uncle Tom, you know. Um, Seems like they're always family, hey? Yeah, I mean, and that's the thing about it, too, and I think that's where it goes back to the entire love thing, too, because you realize that the hardest conversations you're probably going to have with people and the ones that cause the most emotional turmoil are going to be with the individuals that you love the most. And when you're looking at the individuals you love the most and, and realize like, man, they are in a dark place in their mind. How, how can I even continue on like this with them? Um, like, but you, you still got to practice love. And I think that's where the idea of like, do we really love people or just the idea of, of people? Because I think sometimes when we just love the idea of people, you kind of get this sort of dysfunctional, everybody loves Raymond type uh, sitcom situation where everybody's yelling and talking on top of each other and giving everybody a piece of their mind. But that's not necessarily love. And a lot of people might confuse it as love. Um, but I almost kind of take it back as like people that engage in that sort of rhetoric. And I know I'm guilty of it myself. But I'm sitting here thinking, do I really love you know, if, if I engage my, you know, uncle, aunt, mother, father, or whoever, in this sort of idiot conversation, am I really walking in the ways of love by like, you know, trying to genuinely talk to them about it? Or am I better off um, just uh, kind of nodding and going along?
I don't know. Well, I think the first thing we need to do is be able to check our ego at the door, right? Oh, yeah. Like it's like I'm I'm okay with not coming off as the smartest person in this conversation. Totally. I'm going to I'm going to lay that down right away here. Um and then kind of saying, okay, so what is that person saying and why is it making me so angry? Am I concerned that there are people that are involved in this conversation that are being hurt by what that person's saying? And that's often the time when I engage because right. I'm just like, I can't just let you say that. Um, this isn't helpful. And this is why it's not helpful. Um, but I do think there's a point, and I, I am one of my favorite things from last summer is there was a uh, pastor who looked like Obi-Wan Kenobi <laughs> at this. Uh, looked like Jesus, right? No. I, I don't even remember what his name is, but uh, he looked like Obi-Wan, like old Obi-Wan Kenobi. Oh, oh, not young one. No. And uh, he, he said to me, I was having a conversation with him and I was talking about my calling to be a bridge because I think that's when I really realized it. Um, and he said to me, you know that in Proverbs it says, answer a fool according to his folly. Right. And then on another part of Proverbs it says, don't answer a fool according to his folly. And it dawned upon me, it's like, that's it. Sometimes you do answer them according to their folly and say, okay, let's see what happens if we follow this line of thinking. Actually, I would say that's an example of good satire is that good satire says, well, let's follow this line of thinking and see where it goes. Right. So I, I remember this one time we were talking about like, I've probably shared this multiple times, but I just repeat myself. I think my listeners should know that by now. Um, I remember I was at this like Bible study where we were talking about um, the will of God. And it's like, there's a divine will of God. And then there's a will of God that is made up according to our bad decisions. Right. And so I'm just kind of sitting here like thinking, okay, like, even if that is true, how are we going to know which it is? And does it even matter at this point? You know? And so then I said, okay, well, question for you guys. And we had like a room full of couples and I'm like, which, which of you actually married God's divine spouse for you and which of you didn't. And it's like, that's where it leads. And it's like, that's not helpful. We're already married. Right. And so I, I think sometimes satire is good that way. Now, usually good satire is when you've got somebody who is being dominant and you're kind of taking them down a peg a little bit, right? It's like, okay, you're not quite as smart as you think you are. I just took your, your whole idea and blew it up. And I'm like, I'm sorry, but it just doesn't work, right? Bad satire would be me mocking the person, the homeless person on the street. Oh, nice box. No, <laughs> you know what I mean? And it's like, so like when you're hitting below the belt, somebody who's already down, I'm like, I just, I got no time for that. And so that's why I'm actually don't really spend a whole lot of time with any satire sites right now. Cause I'm just like, we're in a very like pivotal point right now when it comes to racial relations. And the problem is we also are in a very polarized society. So if I were to be someone who said that black lives matter, now people think that it's all, you know, wrapped up in a certain set of politics. 
And so, and I get, I get that it's complicated. I think, you know, like when people are damaging property, it's, that's a problem too. Right. And so it's, it's hard stuff. Um, but I, I do think, I do think when people get very polarized, there is a point where I just kind of check out because I'm like, okay, now that you've called, you know, I, you've called Pre- President Trump an idiot. Right. I, I probably, you know, and it's like, okay, so you've already, you, President Bleep, sorry. <laughs> Call President Bleep an idiot. You don't talk about politics, John. <laughs> and it's like, okay, so am I going to address the fact that this person just bashed a politician? Do I care? Um, if I think that they're being a poor representative of what Christianity is, yeah, I'm, I'm going to do something about it. Like, I want to push back on that and say, you know what? Like, maybe, maybe that's not the right words. Maybe you can say, I don't like this decision they made involving banana imports. Um, I'm really upset about the banana import issue. Um, I wanted yellow bananas and they brought in orange bananas. And now my ice cream is weird. Yeah. 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 My ice cream is weird. But like to say, well, I hate bleep stupid face and he's stupid, stupid. It's like, well, yeah, that's not, that's not helpful dialogue. right? Right. So I don't know. I, I only get really involved when I think that the gospel's at stake. Right. And so I'm like, and I, I really, I'm very sensitive to the fact that there's a lot of people who have lost their faith. Um, and it's because the church is on a quest for power through politics. Mm. So I'm like, can we just not do this? Like, um, so I, I know like on um, Sunday, we had a pastor that spoke on um, Gideon. And um, it was a great message. I'll maybe get into some of that later. But one of the things that she did is she prayed that we would be able to recognize the decoys of the enemy. And I was like, whoa, that is it. In this time right now where we've got COVID-19 and people are debating whether they should wear a mask or not, should we trust the experts? Should we not trust the experts? Um, We got Black Lives Matters protesting in the streets and we got people saying well i guess covid's not an issue anymore because these people are protesting in the streets and then we got people that are saying well this is garbage look they're they trashed a target they trashed this store this store owner got beat up by people associated with that riot like there's all these things going on and people are picking sides and i'm looking at this and i'm like man these are decoys of the enemy you know, you talk about like Russian trolls and it's like, you'd have like those Russian trolls that would have people, you know, that are protesting from one side and then people protesting from the other side on both sides of the street. And they orchestrated it. apparently. <laughs> and I'm like, that's exactly what the enemy of our souls is doing. And just to be clear, the enemy of our souls is Satan. Not President Not- Bleep. Not President Bleep. <laughs> That's Not good. Not the well, newspapers. Right. All you people waving your newspapers. Anyways. I like that. The, I mean, like, and, and I guess maybe that's kind of where I'm coming from on some of this is 
that I feel like if I engage certain people that are living in certain places with the mentalities that they have, that I'm engaging in the decoy and I could Mm -hmm. be better Mm -hmm. constructive elsewhere and do something more meaningful and significant. Um, and like, like my podcast that I had this, this week with, uh, my friend, um, when we talked about black lives matter and racism and, mm-hmm. and all that fun stuff. And it's kind of like, I felt like our conversation, even though, you know, there's some things he said that I disagreed, uh, with, uh, maybe even disagreed with fiercely. Um, at the end of the day, I felt like we had a very mutually beneficial exchanging of ideas and meetings of the minds in a very respectful manner. And it wasn't just two clowns on TV talking over one another mm-hmm. and us mimicking that style of discussion. It was, it was an actual real discussion and exchanging of the minds. And it wasn't into this left versus right, black mm-hmm. versus blue mm-hmm. uh, sort of paradigm. It was like, you know, two guys who, were willing to sit down and admit where they were and have a very authentic uh, conversation with one another. And I don't Mm -hmm. feel like most people are willing to engage in that. They just want to sign up for the tribe, put on the jersey, wave the banner, um, and use all the jargon and all the buzzwords. Um, And so, so sometimes that makes me think people are more interested in the idea of people than actually loving people because it's, it's as quickly as we become, when I see us quickly becoming polarized and quickly becoming tribal uh, in our stances, then I know love lost, love lost, uh, or love left our hearts a long time ago. Um, (laughs) I I feel like there's, what's really interesting to me is I feel like people are like, okay, I'm, there are certain avenues where I am an ambassador for Christ. And then there are certain areas within my life where I have a suspension of ethics. So it's kind of like when you go to your Charlotte checkers game and you're I'm watching your remember team play that. <laughs> and they're playing, I don't know, Houston Astros, not Houston Astros. Toronto oh, Marlies. Up. Toronto Marlies. Toronto Marlies, and you just you just want to bash the Toronto Marlies all the time. Right. You've kind of taken off that ethic of being a Christian and loving your enemies, right. and you're like, yeah! And when you see, you know, that kid miss his shot, and let's say it's like overtime, it's playoffs, it's Calder Cup, and he missed his shot, and he's crying, and you look at him, <laughs> and you see the tears in his eyes, and you point at him, and you laugh. Right. Like, that's a suspension of ethics. And I feel like people are doing that also with politics. Yep. And they're able to say, yes, President Bleep really burnt all of those people. Yes, he owned them. Owned the libs. In their face, because I hate them, you know? And it's just like, I... I don't, I don't think we should be suspending our ethics in right. any avenue. I think you can go to your Charlotte Checkers game, be happy that your team won without hating the other people. <laughs> I, I think that. And I think if we can do that with sports, we can do that with politics. Right. I think we can actually hear people out. Because honestly, 
I really do believe that even the people that crucified Jesus thought they were doing the right thing. Right, totally. I actually had a bit of a debate on Facebook about that because I asked, do you think that the Jews thought Jesus was a heretic? But the fact that Jesus on the cross says, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. Right. I'm like, I think that could be evidence that they legitimately thought they were doing the right thing. I think there were Nazis that legitimately thought they were doing the right thing. Heck, Hitler may very well have thought he was doing the right thing. So to assume the ill intentions of President Bleep Mm. or Justin Bleep, or, you know, anybody and just say, oh, well, they're just doing this because they're terrible people and they hate everyone. I'm like, no, I think they legitimately think they're doing the right thing. So let's talk about that issue and talk about why we like yellow bananas better than orange bananas. Honestly, I've never seen orange bananas. I don't know why I did that. I'd be so confused. But I mean, it's like we can discuss the issue without attacking the person. And I, I think that's, that's what I want to work at, but it's so difficult because there are times where I really feel like people are misrepresenting Christ. Oh yeah. So, you know, I'm a pretty nice guy, but I am going to get pretty attacky when I think (laughs) that you're misrepresenting Christ. Right. But I know it's like I said to you when we were like doing our hangout, I'm like, you know what? I think I'm done arguing with idiots. (laughs) I'm like, so if you say something crazy and I don't respond, you probably are an idiot. The key is to, to be able to do that without them realizing that you're blowing them off, right? Because <laughs> then they're just be, why don't you ever say anything? You know, or you, you must you must be on my side. They're gonna they're, you're gonna show up to the next meeting and realize you're at the Klan rally unintentionally because you didn't because uh, they went so deep and they just thought you believed what they believed because you never argued. No. <laughs> you know, I, you know, what's funny to me too, is that like people so quickly adapt, you know, adopt labels for themselves. Right. right. And it's like, well, I'm this or I'm that. Right. And I'm like, I don't, I don't really know what I am. Right. <laughs> and yeah. I'm like, yeah, I'm just like, you guys, you guys can decide. I don't care. That's um, funny because I would label myself a pretty conservative fellow, but there are, members of my family who would consider me liberal mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. and and maybe by some definition i am but you know i would look at them and say well you agree on x policy so therefore you're the liberal um and but then it just becomes a peeing contest to see who the most conservative or who most liberal who's the most left who's the most right and it's like there's no fruit in that um, and I, I, I'm, I'm so sick. I'm so sick of it these days. Like I, I really can't stand it. Like my stomach, like literally turns inside out and I just, I can't deal with it, especially when I see members of my family and people amongst my friends and people I go to church with and, and stuff like that. When I see that switch come on in them, I know there's no turning it off. And by it's like navigating, it becomes very difficult. Um, and I don't know, maybe that's why people came up with the idea that there's two things you never talk about. You never talk about politics and you never talk about religion. Um, yeah, I know it it is, but I I can definitely see why people kind of came up with that mantra because 
they realize that by talking about either, you often get into no-win situations in which people just go into their camps, shut down, and don't have any meaningful conversations. So they're like, why even bother talking about it? I think we need to be adults. Um, I think the problem, though, is that people will say something terrible and then, you know, and it's something that is hurtful toward a group of people. And then they'll follow it up with, I'm entitled to my opinion. All right. And I think I've decided now that when somebody says that, I want to just call them a name and then be like, but that's just my, I'm, I'm entitled for, to my opinion. No bleep, Sherlock. Okay. No. You know what I mean, though? Like, because it's like, <laughs> well, you're a whatever phobic or you're yeah. a racist for saying that. All right. And I have a right to my opinion. <laughs> seal the deal you know i i don't know i the two things that are like so triggering to me is this phrase i have a right to my opinion because i'm like i okay and i addressed this on the podcast before and i got pushed back i'm like how about this i think there are things that i do not feel qualified to have an opinion on And I think it'd be ridiculous for me to form an opinion based on the little bit that I know. Right. Like women in childbirth. I think you should go natural. Like, no, (laughs) no, I'm never going to be in that situation. Right. Not, not something I need to have an opinion on. And it's stupid for me to have an opinion on. And so I can apply that to myself. Now, if I start applying that to other people, they're going to get angry with me. Right. You know, and be like, say, Jimmy, as a white person, I don't think you should have a right to an opinion on Black Lives Matter. <laughs> I'm okay with someone saying that to me. Because right. I'm like, I, I don't know. I didn't grow up in that situation, right? So I'm like, yeah, I'm okay with just listening and hearing people out. But you it's know, like- there's one thing I respect about some scholars and academics that I've run in circles with. In fact, I was trying to get a guy to come on my podcast who's a criminologist at the local university. I go to church with him. He's got a PhD in whatever criminology and sociology and blah, blah, blah. Um, and he teaches about, you know, criminal justice at, and trains the future FBI agents and stuff of the world. Um, and he, I asked him, try to get him on my podcast to come and talk about some of the hot button issues with police brutality and issues like that. And he's like, well, you know, I I know a bit about that, but I'm going to have to, to politely decline just simply because that's not my area of expertise. And what I would Mm -hmm. say would amount to just heen and hawing over the little bit I know in that area. So, you know, if it was something more in my wheelhouse, um, something that I'm an expert in, I would gladly come talk about it. Be- but because I'm not, uh, let me see if I can't get a friend or two of mine who are experts in that area to see if they would be interested in coming on. And That's I'm so like, funny. I totally respect that um, because, you know, he's being, the ad- he's being the adult. He could have been like, man, I can't wait to tell people what I think. But if he did that, he would really be stand, stepping outside of his, and he probably knows more than the average person does on these type of topics. Oh, certainly. But well, he's I'm, not I'm willing to say. I'm like, what is a topic that I actually am knowledgeable about? I mean, I guess industrial hygiene, but I there mean, I haven't done any podcasts on that. And I haven't done a podcast on mortgage uh, <laughs> stuff from the bank. I don't know if anybody would listen to that. But, but I, like, I, I do think like, when I meet someone who knows more than the average person about something, I'm like, this would be interesting to talk about. 
Right. And I'm kind of disappointed when people turn me down for that reason. They're just right. like, well, no, I'm not an expert on this. I'm like, man, I'm not an expert on anything. I have right. people that are not experts on a lot of things on my podcast. Right. But, so, but, I, but I respect that. And no, it's good that he actually acknowledges that. And that's a very rare quality to right. meet someone who says, yeah, I can't talk about that. Right. I'm not knowledgeable enough, especially right. as an American. Right. Oh yeah, totally. Because we love to talk. I just want to do a burn there. Right. <laughs> but, well, totally. We love to have uh, bold, yeah. confident assertions about things we just heard about two minutes ago. But you okay, know, so, I, I, so that's my first one. That's my first thing that's triggering. Is like this whole idea that everyone has a right to an opinion because I just right. think that there's some things. I think responsibility to have an opinion. Right. Like if you're going to. If you're going to have an opinion on it, you have a responsibility to get a certain amount of experience and a certain right. amount of understanding before you form your opinion. I, I think right. I think that should be a responsibility, but right. I can't legislate well, that. That's that's adult like thinking there, John. Mm. But you know what we talked about this uh earlier the week in our uh Facebook hangout, um, which is really cool, by the way. I like the Facebook hangout thing. Yeah, um, that's fun. But uh, the entire idea that I learned in my developmental psych class when I was in college, I mean, this is many moons ago, but so, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to pretend to be the expert here, but, you know, I do remember the key concept. Um, and the idea among psychologists is that there's basically four or five different developmental stages that we all go through in our lives and the way our brains form. And there's this fifth and final stage that happens when we're about in our mid-20s, but it doesn't happen for everybody. Not everybody gets there. And they, they would actually say the vast majority of people don't reach peak mental, uh, psychological um, development. Uh, some people continue to linger in stages three and four um, for their entire adult lives. And I sit there and wonder, sometimes are these quote-unquote idiots that we're talking to <laughs> or that I talk to, uh, people that I love and care for, by the way. Um, but are these, are these people that I talk to, did they ever really truly mentally, physically develop in their brain like they were supposed to? And maybe that's why having those conversations with such individuals is like pulling teeth because mentally, cognitively, psychologically, they never really got for whatever reason. And there's a lot of complex reasons as to why people don't get there, but they never got there. Hey, but can you hit me with those levels? What are the, what are the levels? Uh, I, I, I couldn't tell you off the top of my head, but the, the I know the, the, the final level is basically a sense of nuanced thought. Right. Um, and, and that's and, the key. Yeah. So like, not, like, not you know, acquiring nuanced thought. So right. if you're at the level before that, you're still kind of stuck in black and white thinking pretty much. And that's like what every 18 year old thinks like basically, because hmm. you know, you every 18 year old you've ever met has very black and white thinking for the hmm. most part. Like that's where hmm. most of them are. I mean, I know when I was that age, I had uh, the fiercest, strongest, most definite passionate opinions uh, that I've ever had in my entire life. And I was really willing to go nuclear uh, for every single one of them. Cause it was just so clear uh, that this is the way the world yeah. operates. Um, That's crazy. And, I would have hated young Jimmy. Oh, I, a lot of people did. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, I love I, old Jimmy. Yeah. I, and, and I think it's like, you know, I look back and I was like, 
I think some of the reason maybe I'm not as popular today is because if you would have known the old Jimmy, uh, and a lot of people have, um, then, you know, you have understood maybe why Jimmy didn't rise to his uh, potential because Jimmy went nuclear, uh, mm. a lot of things. But I was working through my own stuff. Uh, yeah. and, and honestly, I saw a lot of it growing up and I was just dealing with my own baggage um, that I was carrying from generations past. Uh, but I felt like a, after I went to a, through a kind of a breaking point in my mid-20s, you know, and I kind of hit that stage and I realized one day, it's like I like to joke uh, sometimes today that I didn't know what world I was even on until I was 25 years old. Um, and I sit there and think, you know, that was really true. And somebody pointed out, you know, that's probably PJ's fifth stage of psychosocial development or whatever it is. Psychosomatic. Um, yeah. <laughs> and, and so, but I, it, makes, it makes me wonder though, the, the nature of the conversations we have and the difficulty and the emotional tantrums and the polarization and stuff like that is so much of that. And who knows, maybe we could find a psychologist to come on one of our shows and talk about it. But it's so, so, much so what you're saying is um, polarized people may not just be jerks. They just might be kind of stupid. More or less. Like, and <laughs> bless I your think, heart. You're just an ignorant, you know. Yeah, you're, no, slot, you're you know? right, though. And I right. think that's something that I've realized is that um, my brain does things that not everybody's brain does. Right. And realizing that, you know, that doesn't mean I'm better. It just means I'm different. Right. And so being able to understand that, you know, some people are just not going to get me. Some people are just going to think I'm a clown. It's like, why are you talking about monkeys and guns? What a dumb song. <laughs> and I'll be like, if you actually read the lyrics, there's a little more to it than that. I look forward to trying to listen to your songs this weekend. And yeah. Have you on my podcast to talk about them? Yeah. I've got, um, I've, I've got like four different podcasts, I think, lined up for that. Nice. And so, yeah, so I'm excited to answer people's questions on it because I'm like, yeah, just ask me whatever from listening to it. And I'm like, you could play whatever you want from the album. <laughs> and yeah, so it's like, yeah, it'll be fun. But nice. um, there's, I, I like the idea though of, and you know, when we talk about music, being able to entertain people and they're like, oh, well, this is a fun beat. Oh, this is kind of a fun melody. I kind of like the cadence of the rap or whatever, right? But then it's like, yeah, if you actually listen, um, I'm talking about how annoyed I am with you right now. <laughs> <laughs> That's basically what the song Hey Too is, right? Like, it's just right. like, basically, it's like, I could have a conversation with you, but it's just a waste of time. So Whereas. I just smile and say, hey. <laughs> but it is pretty catchy. So, um, but I do think that, like, if we encounter people that are very black and white, I think what we can do is ask them questions. And that's kind of like what I was saying, where it's like answer a fool according to their folly. Right. And you say, okay, well, what we need is more, man, I don't know how to not get political on this, but let's just say, I want to get more Christians in politics. Okay. Right. Why? So we can have more godly legislation. Okay. Why? So that then people are living the way God wants them to. Oh, that sounds kind of like the Old Testament. <laughs> right. You know, and so like if we get to that point and it's like you don't have to like, okay, now repent and be baptized. All right, I've done, you know, right. but it's like just putting that seed of like, well, maybe things aren't quite as black and white as you're making them out to be. Right. But you don't say that. 
because they might be like, well, I don't know what you mean by black and white. Like, is this a race thing? You know, I don't know. <laughs> but it's like knowing that, like, I think it's, um, it's like, I, I love this. Uh, I was reading, I tried to go through all of C.S. Lewis's works and I didn't really finish wow. it. But I did like the, because um, I got like his, all of his works for like two bucks on Kindle, which is awesome. I had a cousin that majored in the writings of C.S. Lewis in college. So the space trilogy, really weird. I'm not great on narratives. I think my problem is, is like, I'm just, I read a lot, but I probably don't read every word. <laughs> and so narratives, I'm like, whoa, whoa, what's going on now? Right. But, um, I read this narrative. Um, it was one of the space trilogies. And it tells the story about this guy who gets like abducted by aliens. Um, oh no, sorry. He gets, he gets abducted by humans and taken to an alien planet. And um, he spends all this time hanging out with the aliens because he escapes from his captors. And he's hanging out with the aliens and he sits down and he listens to them and he watches how they interact. He's a linguist. And he takes the time to listen to them and learn their language. And then he knows enough of their language that later on his captors have been found out to have killed some aliens, but his captors never had taken the time to learn the language. Hmm. They think they're better than the aliens. And so they have no interest in learning anything about the aliens. They end up in a corp battle for killing an alien and this man who was once their um, victim um, is now the only person that can communicate with them in this court battle. And it made me think, have the humility to learn the language. Mm. And so I think about that a lot. And so I'm like, if I'm encountering somebody who is polarized and they were like 100% left or 100% right, I'm going to sit down with them and think, okay, so what's a language they can understand? What are words I should not be using? And I think even, you know, like I, I've been encountered a couple of people on Twitter now who say, don't use the word God. It's triggering to me. Now, if I was a staunch religious conservative, I might laugh at them. <laughs> you know, it's like, what? That's so stupid. I've you know? gotten caps. <laughs> But yeah, exactly. I'm going to use God in caps because that's why I run because I love God, right? But yeah. it's like, no, I, I, think, I think there's ways to actually listen to people and communicate at a level they can understand. And so when I encounter someone who's been very messed up by religion and they're very polarized, they're very against Christianity, I say to them, do you believe in love? So I think love is calling you right now. And I think about how like the Bible says God is love. And it's like, can we, can we work with that? And so I think if I can work in that avenue, can I work with the staunchly religious person that's saying terrible things and hates every person who is not religious? Right. How do I deal with that? Well, learn to speak the language. Have the humility to learn to speak the language. Well, they like the Bible. Okay. So I'm going to learn. I'm going to find a scripture to point them to. You know, 
you know, to tell them like why hating everyone's probably not a good thing. Probably. <laughs> Heck, they might even like be King James only. Oh gosh. Right. And so it's like, we'll have the humility to learn the language. Right. I will not insist on using the NIV with them or whatever. I'm going to use the, I'm going to use the King James Ian. Thou right. shalt not. No, I don't know. <laughs> I, I think that's it. And I think we need to have the humility to be okay with not having to use our words. And I think that that is something I'm trying to come to grips with right now when we talk about evangelism, because I'm just like, people have had enough of this whole, like, I know everything. You guys don't know anything. Um, so let me tell you about everything that I know. It's like, people don't want that. But if we can be the salt, the salt that brings the flavor that's already there, I, I really believe that's what God's calling us to do right now. So what's already there? You've got somebody who has been rejected by the church for whatever reason. There's something in their life that people are like, oh, well, obviously you don't care about Jesus because you're really into orange bananas. <laughs> and, you know, and so <laughs> orange bananas, that's going to be the title of this episode, isn't it? um i i i i affirm that that's a great <laughs> you're gonna get like people looking for like food network uh, <laughs> the podcast is gonna be great it's a hybrid between an orange and like, a wait a second, there's, it's a crime there's, against nature there's this guy that's about a table and his name is jimmy and they're talking about orange bananas and yeah jimmy 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 but you know yeah, I, yeah. I think you're onto something there with like and maybe a way like something that kind of pops in my mind when i'm hearing you talk about this is that what we need to do is kind of help nudge people in the direction they should probably go or that we think they should maybe go, but not in this kind of forceful way uh, in which we feel like obligated to make a strong uh, point and the strongest point possible. But like you say, like learn their language and almost help them ask a question that they would ask using the words that they would use um, in a way that draws it out of them and like it sparks their sort of inner curiosity because if it, because we we're all very defensive when somebody looks at us, points a finger and says, you're wrong. Well, you know, just the walls yeah. coming, you're not going to get any further in that conversation. And most of that conversation usually ends up being just our own self vindication and, expression of our own righteousness on something um or sense of self-righteousness and you know so it almost feels like we need to get them to intuitively ask the question that they never asked but it makes it seem like it came out of their own you know psyche and and to to maybe help nudge them to that next level because unless that um it's kind of like uh, you ever see the movie inception yeah you know where they talk about planting a thought in the dream. Mm -hmm. um, and man, it's been such a long time since I've seen that movie, so I might be butchering it. It's funny though, because this is, <laughs> this is feeling a lot like apologetics. And, <laughs> right. and, and one of my beefs with apologetics is that it assumes I have something to share with someone and they've got nothing to share with me. So I'm going to add to this as well, that we need to start with the notion that every human being we encounter has something to teach us that mm -hmm. we don't already know. All right. 
and with that assumption, you're going to approach them with humility. And when you approach them with humility, they will actually listen to what you have to say. That's good. Uh, I was listening to uh, Beth Moore's book. Hey, see, I just mentioned a woman preacher. Wait a second. Was it a book about making sandwiches? Yes. <laughs> no, it was a book about wine, Jimmy. She, it was she, food related. She should totally make. She should totally make a sandwich book. She should get together with Jeff Morrow from the Food Network, who is known as the Sandwich King, and he, she should do a cookbook with him. <laughs> well, it's funny because, like, when because uh, the the church I go to now is like a it's a denomination that has finally started ordaining women, mm -hmm. um, and the de de denomination I was in before has had like ordained women like forever, right? And so, so while this lady was preaching and it was like so good, like I was like, I got a friend her on Facebook. I like everything she has to say. Um, I was like turning to one of my kids. And I'm like, yeah, but she's a woman. I can't, I can't listen to what she has to say. <laughs> but um, yeah, so I was listening to another woman preacher, uh, Beth Moore, um, her book. Um, it's something about the vine staying in the vine Life but it's a, it's all about wine and wine and how wine's in scripture and stuff but something really stuck in my mind is she says something about the fruits of the spirit and she says sometimes we get drunk on our own fruit and i was like whoa mm. yeah so i'm like okay so it's getting self-absorbed as we do ministry and I think that is something that I, I just, I'm so cognizant of. And I, I wonder about that with people who are in full-time ministry. Right. Um, and I mean, like anybody who gets any kind of attention for their ministry, it's so easy to get drunk on your own fruit. Oh, yeah. I like, um, so in the story of Gideon, she said, actually, this is the other preacher now. I like how this is kind of mixing together. Women preachers, they're all preaching about the same thing. No. <laughs> Orange um, banana. No. <laughs> so there may be better people for the job, but God has picked you. That was the message that was given to Gideon. I'm like, how humbling is that? There are, there may be better people for the job, but God has picked you. Right. It's actually speaking to me right now in podcasting. I'm like, dang, there's so many people that are better at this. Oh, yeah. But God has picked me for my little audience. Your little you guys are adorable. I love all of you. You called them by name. <laughs> audience. <laughs> we need a nickname for them. Oh, yeah. ADD Master Minions. <laughs> there you See? go. Yep. Yep. Man, I don't remember what the trumpet and torch represent, but it's kind of interesting that they had to go around with a trumpet and a torch. It's like to be a light and to be the trumpet that's sounding the presence of God, I guess. Sure, that works. Yeah, I like that. It's beautiful. Oh, you, you were asking, do I personally know anyone who has the COVID? No, I have not. Interesting. Um, my son knows a kid who had it. And they said basically it was like death. They like had trouble breathing. It was really scary. The landscape company that does uh, my yard, it's a two-man company. One of the guys that uh, 
cuts my yard and trims it and everything makes it look nice for me. Um, he, he came down with COVID. The other guy, even though they ride in the same car together all day, every day, the other guy tested negative, uh, but one of them tested positive. Um, so I was like, man, like this is literally happening in my backyard. Mm. You know, how's he doing? Um, good. Uh, he's not being hospitalized or anything like that. He's in isolation. Um, and he's not working right now, but, uh, he appears to be healthy other than, than he just happened to test positive for COVID. I like that you have a guy that does your lawn. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's a hundred dollars a month and I have about a third of an acre. So it's like, oh, that's not bad. no, like it's dirt cheap. And, uh, so like, you know, I'm, uh, it's like, a, man, my yard would take me about, it takes him about half an hour to do my yard and it's a two man team and they have a professional landscape mower. So I figured it'd take me at least an hour and a half, four times a week. I was like, that's worth a hundred bucks. Nice. <laughs> nice. Well, yeah. I think about that sometimes, you know, when you yeah. talk about home improvement too, it's like, eh, I'd rather hire somebody. Right. A time's worth a lot to me. Right. Um, Hey, so Simpsons moment. I know you still, you don't watch the Simpsons, hey? But uh, not since my parents forbade me as a child, John. Forbade you. They yeah. forbade you. They forbade um, you. All right. So I was watching this episode where Lisa takes Homer to a um, new age store. Hmm. And he walks in. The lady looks at him and says, Namaste. And he looks at her and he says, And a nooga booga to you too. <laughs> Just so funny. <laughs> Do I ever watch random Netflix shows to find out if you'll like them or not? No, because I'm still stuck on The Simpsons. I did start <laughs> Space Force with my one of my sons. Nice. Um, I, I, I think I understand why America needs a Space Force now. <laughs> totally. It's pretty good. Have you seen it at all? Yeah, my wife and I watched the entire thing already. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'm not that far into it yet. I think okay. we're like episode five or six okay well you only got well that's about halfway so okay like that whole thing with the monkey was pretty awesome it was and the poor dog yes. <laughs> sad. sad no spoiler there no spoiler well <laughs> we just had some technical difficulties and it like all got cut off and so i think we were just about done anyways can I spin around? Nope, I got my headset on. I can't spin around. <laughs> but it was fun having you on again, Jimmy. I love doing this show. It's fantastic. Like we were saying, like it's it's a pretty chill thing for to do as a podcaster, and it's therapeutic. And I hope it is therapeutic for you all to listen to. And hopefully, um, it helps people grow beyond the stage five brain development. Yeah, whatever that is. Yeah, we should have researched it before we did this part. I know. I like just making things up, though. I mean, this is so American just to have an opinion on something with knowing a little about it. It's as American as orange bananas. (laughs) All right. Well, thank you, Jimmy. And thank thank you, you, listeners, my master minions. Much love. Namaste. (laughs) Ooga booga. Air smudge.